Welcome to the Business of PT podcast with today's guest, Rob Solly. Hi, my name is Adam Daniel. I have delivered over 26,000 PT sessions, trained over 10,000 PTs in 20 countries, created and delivered education for some of the world's leading fitness brands, owned a gym, and with the help of my expert guests, all of whom have had great success in different ways, we will dive deep into how to build a profitable, robust, resilient, and most importantly, a PT business that you can be proud of, whilst having some fun along the way. The Business of PT podcast is part of The Collective, a network of fitness industry professionals whose purpose is to help the industry share, collaborate, and grow. Before we start, a brief word from this season's sponsor. This episode is supported by Your Personal Training. Build a fulfilling career with the UK's largest and most successful PT brand, Your Personal Training. Your Personal Training offers quite simply the best financial support and career development package around. With a network of over 450 personal trainers nationwide, you are not alone and will find yourself in an environment at Your Personal Training that is supportive and focused towards helping you achieve your dreams as a PT. Visit their website for more information, yourpersonaltraininguk.co.uk. Welcome to the Business of PT podcast. And today I have Rob Solly. Now, I am super excited to have Rob on here for a number of reasons. Now, the first thing about Rob is that he has a an amazing thirst for education. He has quite literally traveled the world to learn from some of the best educators so he can actually become better at what he does, which is help his clients. And that's what I love about Rob. He's one of the most professional and disciplined personal trainers that I have probably come across. And we've known each other now for six, seven, eight years. And every time we talk, I'm always amazed by his discipline and his dedication to meeting his clients' needs and, and helping them. And with that in mind, that has led him to be one of the most in-demand trainers within the world of music. And he is the go-to man for any band that's going on a world tour, artist on a world tour. They pick up the phone, they give Rob a call and say, can you get us ready for performing? He also works with general population. And that's what I also love. You wouldn't know about half the people he, what Rob works with. He just works with anyone that wants to get healthier and feel better. And so I'm super excited to welcome Rob Solly to the show. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Ham. We had a lot. Yeah. So you're cheerleading. I, I love the on. intro. I love the intro. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I could keep going, but I've only got an hour, Rob, and I think we might run out of time. So, Rob, look, you have got such a rich history of what you've done in this industry. And there's probably a few things I don't know, which I'm quite excited to find out about today, hopefully. So just for the listeners, if you could give us an overview of your career, so how you got into the industry and some of your highlights to date. I got into the industry really as a kid, probably because I was insecure and wanted to look like Jean-Claude Van Damme. But I started working at a spit and sawdust gym that was above a co-op, putting the weights away, six pounds an evening they paid me. And I just loved it. I don't know why, but I really connected and I bought these horrible baggy pants that Dorian Yates used to with the stripes down it. But I was skinny as a rake and I must have looked at right whatever in them. 
but that really started my spark of the gym. I would read all the magazines that came in that all the bodybuilders were taking at the time. Oh, sorry, reading at the time. And, and then that was it. I was always, and I mentioned that damn, I was into martial arts alongside my training was martial arts and from Taekwondo to boxing, to MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I've tried to constantly move as I suppose martial arts has moved my, as my life has moved. And when I was coming towards the end of having any real value in martial arts, I started just training people naturally, but the way I wanted to train, not necessarily the people around me wanted to listen to that, the other fighters, the other people in martial arts. And so I went out on my own and just started training the general population, took ideas from people, lots of inspiration, lots of inspirational people, and would just generally take sport specific ideas and give them to the general population. And that started my journey. 20, I said, I became full time in 2015. But I was, and I was scared to go full time, but be honest with Adam, being this business, it was a dream. It was, it literally just took me a few months to be full up. And apart from last December, I've been busy ever since. I've never had to worry. There you go. There's the first thing I've learned about you today, Rob. I didn't know you only became full time in 2015. I didn't know that. There you yeah. go. I thought That's you... So I had a job, I had a job and I, my job. I did four days a week and my friend Dave was like, John, what are you doing? What are you doing, Rob? Just quit. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But it's that feeling you mentioned about education. And I've heard you mention on other, on the previous series, podcast, people talk about imposter syndrome. I don't feel like I've got imposter syndrome, but I'm definitely a glass half empty kind of guy. Because in what I don't know is what scares me. Should I know this? Should I be able to do this? And that's definitely a driver for me forwards. Okay. That's interesting. So, so I'm curious then, just for some anyone who's listening out there who might be thinking about going full-time, maybe they're working part-time, or maybe they're looking to move from working in a big box gym and they want to become more of an entrepreneur style personal trainer and go it alone, if you like, what did it take for you to quit your four day a week job and go full-time as a PT? What, what changed for you? That's it. I was, I've never worked in a gym. So I am a go it alone guy. Luckily I used to live on black tea, but it really was that this, I was better, I was better at this than the job I was doing. It's probably the simplest and <laughs> truest answer. Okay. Yeah. And what makes you good at this then? There you go. I'm going to go, go I'm going to go in deep straight away. What makes well, you good? Do you know, Adam, I was thinking about this, right? And I am really good at this and I'm really proud to say it. And I honestly think when I listen to stuff. And I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm a big consumer of podcasts, super happy to be here and all that. Books, magazines. I, I listen to all the, like, the free lectures on YouTube and stuff like that. Might even screen record and listen to them another time. But so much, I'm like, oh, I've got that covered. Oh, I would do it this way. And I, I really feel like now that I need to project a bit more. I need to go, yeah, I am pretty good, aren't I? And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but it's that sense of, I believe that what is like, what's the best advice I could give to a trainer? Make yourself really good. And across the board with communication, as well as no different types of training, know how to talk to people, know how to have empathy, know when to push, when to pull, how to greet people. 
But I think that's the thing. If you just go for it and really make yourself awesome, then I think people will gravitate towards you. It's fascinating, isn't it? That you, there's almost this sense of apology when you say, I'm great at what I do. And there's always that precursor, isn't there? Is I'm not being arrogant. However, I am good at what I do. Very British. British. It is very British, isn't it? Yeah, the American, because I've got plenty of friends, American trainers. But I've got friends who are Mexican trainers as well. Okay. Uh, some really good Mexican trainers. One of them, he's the strength and conditioning coach for Anne. Alexa Grasso just won the UFC title. And he always says, oh, the Americans, they're so sh sure of themselves. And I'm like, he speaks perfect English, I can't speak Spanish. And, and I'm like, yeah, they do. So I'm trying to be a bit more American. I'm learning from the Americans. But I don't think we're alone in that, but you're right. It is, and it links back a little bit to, to Rob Bill in our last episode of season one. And, and he spoke about, when well, we spoke about what does he see in the, the exceptional personal trainers at Third Space. And one of those things was this idea that they are super confident and believe that they truly can help pretty much anyone in that gym. They have this inner belief that they are great at what they do and they have value to anyone that wants to work with them. And I think that's really important is that, and I know it's not necessarily imposter syndrome, it's a slightly different thing. It's that just that willingness, that ability to say, you know what, an acceptance to say, I am good at what I do. And once you can accept that you are good at what you do and are happy to tell people that, then all of a sudden you will see things start to change in the world around you because that confidence will come through. Okay, Rob, so we've got this idea that you want to become a little bit better at saying, I'm great at this. I know you're great at what you do and your clients clearly think that as well. And you said that for PT to be, it needs to become awesome at all these different things and you listed empathy, you listed communication, you listed a whole host of things. Now, I said in the intro, something that's always in inspired me and impressed me is this desire to travel the world to be the most awesome trainer you can be. And I'm wondering what started you off on that journey? So what was one of the first courses you did in the UK? First of all, is the first question. And the second question is, what then led you to look further afield in the UK? I was a... PT before I had my level three, because I came from the fight world where people didn't do the level three. So in all honesty, it was the level three and the level three was a catalyst for me because I was like, this isn't covering the bases. And even though I went to one of the well-known schools in London, they did a great job. I felt, okay, I've got this certificate, but this is literally, this is my white belt, but you're expected to be a black belt. And I knew that. I, we just look at, we're so lucky to have the internet, to have social media and stuff like that, and to utilize them to see people who have real merit. So one thing I say to clients, if I had a young, like just you done train some young athletes, I will say to them, let's like, tell me your five, five favorite athletes that you want to be like, and then find out what they do. And so that's exactly what I do. Who are my five favorite trainers? Let's go train with them. Let's go find out what they do. So I would write to some and wouldn't get replies. Some would reply. And I had this idea of interning, really seeing what we did. Now that may be because I'm not on the gym floor, but I'd spent so much time in gyms, being members of gym my whole life, being on the gym floor, seeing the PTs. And I couldn't remember every PT I've ever come across because I like slightly assessed them. Even when I wasn't a PT, thinking, 
could I do a better job? Because obviously I was still involved in that world, the world of fitness, and I was fascinated by it all. And so for identifying who I thought were the best people and then going for it. And luckily during that time, one of the people I was very curious about did start education that they weren't when I first started following. Yeah, I find that really easy. And, and to, just to circle back to your last point about being awesome, I've got to keep being awesome. And I think that's something that I'm very aware of that drives me forward, that there is no finish line. Okay. So I'm, I'm keeping education. I want to see what the, what the new boards are doing, how they're pushing this industry forward and what I can take from that and, and give to my clients. And I love that. And like you say, it's about keeping or staying being awesome, if that's even makes yeah grammatical sense so keep being awesome as it were and and this is the thing our industry is evolving i mean our industry's young right our industry's like 30 40 years old baby and it's constantly evolving especially with technology now there's all sorts of things happening which is fantastic which means i think it's an exciting time for our industry however as you say it means as a trainer it means we have to constantly evolve ourselves and so i do want to come back to a few things you said yet whilst you've touched upon this idea of always being the best you can be what would you say, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit deep here, what would you say one of your current blind spots might be? I.e., what's the next thing you need, you want to learn about to help your clients? I, the, I can tell you what the last one was. I really wanted okay. better assessments. Right. Like just probably like yourself, I did, yeah, you know, like the more traditional FMS kind of, and the, but I feel like it's really moved on and I've been watching people assess people with numbers not just ISI and like Scott University on constantly doing these two funds kind of thing. <laughs> and then we can, then we've got some things to deal with. And the numbers, because I'm not an expert, they give me the ability to talk and communicate to other people and go, who are experts? What should I do about this number? And having, and I suppose this comes down to it, having mentors. I still have people I talk to I'm luckily part of a couple of groups. One was a group started by your good self that I've, um, that I can reach out to and pose questions. And I'm sometimes, I try to push myself to answer questions that come into these forums, these groups, the mainly closed Facebook groups. I think they're fantastic. And I love it. People are coming up going, I've got a plan and it's a bit like this. And. I suppose my blind spot going forwards, if I was probably into trading cutting edge athletes, I'd probably what's happening at the forefront of sort of sports science, but with the general population, it's definitely how different conditions affect training. As there's more and more conditions, like something that popped up for me in December was stiff person syndrome. I'm like, what's that? better read about this. And so, you know, that never happened, but suddenly I was offered a job and looking at some, uh, situation and working with a physio who dealt with a client with stiff person syndrome. I have to ask, I don't know what stiff person syndrome is. So educate me, please, Rob. It's, it literally is mo a motor skill that everything becomes stiff. It has a lot of similarities to Parkinson's, but yeah, it's, it is very rare, very rare. Yeah. There we go. And okay. So we've got this idea that as a trainer, we need to identify our blind spots because the industry is evolving. If we want to service the needs of our clients with new 
ailments appearing maybe, or I wouldn't say appearing yet, becoming a little bit more, I was going to use the word popular, and it's probably the wrong word to use. Yeah, we're seeing more people with illnesses and diseases that maybe weren't as prolific 10, 15 years ago. It's depression and anxiety are probably two best to choose. And training's really, it's just phenomenal for those two things. Because it's really, we, I don't want to be sound like too stoic, but we're not necessarily given the tools to deal with, deal with adversity. Yeah. And maybe jumping a cold tank tub is a load of like bollocks, but I think there's so much mental, I'm not talking about the physiological side of it. I think that idea of just being able to overcome, to embrace the suck and go, this is going to suck, but this may be the worst thing I do today. Then I can deal with the road rage that I face and I can be rational and calm. So I'm really into stuff like that. And I think training just makes you a better person. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more in the terms, in the sense of we, we don't experience discomfort enough in our lives. We generally, most people lead quite comfortable lives. However, then when adversity does appear, we don't know how to deal with it. And that's when the challenging situations arise. So totally understand that and get that. Rob, and I think, I know when a while back, a couple of years ago, you were doing a lot of running, weren't you? And you would always be embraced. Yeah, running sucks. It's horrible. I've got no idea why people run, genuinely. But sometimes I, I want to be more human. I want to feel like I'm, I'm 46, not far off 47. And one thing I love that training has given me is that I can still flow. Body kind of thing going on. I still wake up and feel good when I talk to friends that the same age as me that they don't relay that and i was at a, uh, someone's party the other day and i saw a girl in a school room and he asked me why i had a hair transplant and i was like i don't have a hair transplant <laughs> i don't even die i just get out there and do stuff and i really think that having this throughout my life has helped me massively training has helped me massively achieve what i want to achieve in life, I don't have big delusions of grandeur, but when everything, anything has come my way, I can deal with it. Baby steps. It's just like I apply a lot of the methodology of training to it. I think, as you know, I think I grew up in the world of sport as well from a young age. And I think that's the one thing training allows you to do. It allows you to deal with those things, those unexpected things that pop up in life. And I know people, especially through the last few years, this word resilient has come into play a lot more. And Personally, I think it's a little bit overused and it's often used in the wrong context. Yeah, I do think training allows you to become more robust and more resilient in those day-to-day -day matters. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. What I might have to do though, is I might have to send you a book, Rob, by Dr. Susanna S uh, Soberg called Winter Swimming. All the current research on cold therapy. Sounds good. You can go back in my Instagram and you'll see me in the cryo chamber. I know, I've seen it. Uh, before everyone else. I was taking my clients in 2015. Yeah. 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 The, the cold therapy's been, I remember being jumping in cold pools when I was an athlete, 20 in doing warm weather training in Portugal, 20, 20 odd years ago. So yeah, it's been around, but now this is the great thing about it. We, we mentioned earlier is that we now have a lot more evidence behind things. So antidote to evidence is great. And if you see a result with a client and you're doing something with a client and you see the benefits, they feel the benefits brilliant. Yeah. Sometimes we need to have that initial evidence to say, okay. Is this worth me experimenting with a client? Is this worth me giving it a go myself to see if it works? So we need to have that evidence. And I think that's where we've evolved now is that a lot of the stuff that you and I are probably doing as athletes 
15, 20, 25 years ago, there wasn't much credibility or evidence behind it. Now we can look back and go, that's why we used to do it. We felt good, but we didn't know why we did it. We, did, we were maybe told to do it by our coaches. So now and I think there isn't, you, you're someone I totally give credit to this with. We talked about the barefoot shoes and stuff like that in the past, that you do take an intelligent punt on things. And I think that's okay. I don't think everything has to be addressed with the certificate. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that have just gone on for time matters. I think even we criticize it, but I think there's elements of truth in bro science and we're now quite happy to go, oh, that's rubbish. But the bodybuilders knew quite a lot. And I saw that as a kid, I, I can't begin to tell you, 15, 16, I was someone, I was so weak, such a weak boy. Genetically, I don't think I was blessed there or anything like that. I wasn't sporty, didn't grow up with sport. As I said, it definitely came from the movies. So There's the guy wearing a Goonies t-shirt. Um, and, but it, over time, it's allowed me to get stronger and build these foundations and just, 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 I think being strong is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love it. We are, we quite happy to speak for hours. And so I'm very aware that we're going off on it. We've changed direction a bit to where we were. So I want to spring it back to this idea of education. There's something that's popped up. In, in season one in particular, it popped up a lot, probably with all my guests at some point, we spoke about education in different ways. And it meant something, something so different to each person. And I want to dig into, into this a little bit further with, with yourself, Rob. And a couple of things that jumped out of me that you said a moment ago, or a little bit earlier, was that you would follow people, first of all. So you get a feel, and I imagine, so you've been in the industry now full-time for eight years. So social media has been very prevalent. I know you've I've been on social media a lot yourself. So it's been very prevalent for you and therefore you've been able to follow these people. So I guess the question I, I have initially is how do you choose the people to follow? Because there is so much great stuff out there, which often in my opinion gets lost in, in the, in the noise. And there's also, as we both know, a lot of crap out there. Now, how do you decide worthwhile following? It comes back to that intelligent punk kind of thing that you have to look into something, but you can see what people are doing. First big social media trainer that I discovered was Jamie Reynolds, Jamie Velocity. And he gave me a lot of confidence. This was prior to him training a lot of the footballers that he went on to train some of the best in the Premier League. And obviously he was for many years, Anthony Joshua strength conditioning coaches. He trained some MMA guys and some footballers not, they were elite, but they weren't the, the household names that he's gone on to do. But I used to watch him train and think he used to actually post a lot of workouts of him training or him training that doesn't really do that anymore. But I used to really think that's it. I don't know what it was, but that particularly coming out of the, the MMA world where they were doing things, I'm like, why are they doing this? That didn't make sense for me. Like, why would a MMA guy lift like a bodybuilder, for example? And there was so much practical, um, just practical foresight. I think his imagination as a trainer was fantastic. How to take A, B, and create something new that really worked for his clients. He used a lot of Exos uh, methodology. So I think it had an influence on me. And obviously as a result of that, I went down the Exos route. And yes, it is tricky because there is waffle. But overall, I think this is my criteria. Do they train more than one great person? 
in fact, most of the people I've followed, they train five or six. And what's their relationship like with their clients? Can they build them up? Not just take them, get to the top and perhaps stay there, but or get to the top and stay there, but also can they deal with adversity and setbacks in their career and life? And I think the, my real heroes have done that. Love it. I love that criteria for who you, who you follow. So who would currently be, you use the word hero, it's quite a big word to use. Who would your heroes be? Yeah, I made a list. So excuse me. Here we go. So, um, I, like, these, so my big heroes, I really like this guy called Luca Hosova at the minute. I'm listening to a lot of his uh, lectures. I'm not, I can imagine he's a great communicator one-on-one. I'm not too sure his actual lectures about training are that great, but I love his facility. If you look at his facility, it's the kind of facility I would like to make and run. Um, and it's just that overall ambience. So he's a good one at the minute. I've always been a fan, a really early fan of Brett Contreras. Like I, I just, again, someone else I took a punt on was like, I think this guy's got something. And obviously, Donnie Raymond, someone who I've studied under, I still think uh, he's just unbelievable. And I really like that Matt Fraser, I'm not a big, I watch CrossFit, I do CrossFit, but I like the fact he's gone into training. I like the fact that after he's called it time in CrossFit, he started doing podcasts and saying, I was drinking Coca-Cola and eating Snickers when we were looking for all these really, um, I love the way that he broke CrossFit down. Obviously, you have this great foundation of being a, a good weightlifter as such, Olympic lifter. But he was like, okay, I'm going to get a triathlete coach. I'm going to get a rowing coach. He didn't look within the CrossFit box. He looked out of it. And I think that's something when I was looking at CrossFit, everything was inside the box and maybe the magic was out. And he would ruining what he said here. But basically, he was like, they'd all be on these special drinks. And I'd be necking Coca-Cola and Snickers because that's what the, the best Iron Men triathlete were like. This, don't worry about that. Take this. And yeah, so there, there's some guys that I, I listen to and girls at the minute. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cool. And hopefully we can maybe put those in notes or well, can, we can share that somehow, those links and, and social media handles if you don't, if you haven't quite called them. Okay. So we've got this idea. So if you saw your current, let's call them heroes, people you follow who inspire you, which is awesome to hear. And I tell you someone who I follow now because I, I heard of them via you was David Alexander from DBC. And I'd love to hear about your experience now with the education from that. I know, I know that's where, when you spoke earlier about measuring and understanding what's going on within, within the human body and then actually being able to guide and test people more accurately. That's who you chose to go with. And you've been out there twice now. That's yep. right. Twice. Yep. Now, he's in Miami. He's got some amazing facilities. Opening his second or third facility, I think it is now. And for a lot of people out there now, I've also traveled to America and rest other countries to learn from people. And a lot of people in the UK, though, are very cautious to maybe go and learn abroad or maybe don't aren't sure if it's worth going to learn from an expert in a different country. And also it's a big cost involved as well. So what, what would your advice be, someone, in terms of 
you know what? You spoke about CrossFit and looking outside the box, which is what Matt Fraser did. He, 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 he asked questions. He said, if I'm yes. the best CrossFitter ever, maybe I need to look at this with a different perspective. You've clearly done that. You've gone, if I want to be one of the greatest PTs in the UK, if not further afield, how can I look at this with a different perspective? And you then took that punt and going out to America. What advice would you give to a personal trainer listening to this to say, hey, you need to look further afield. You need to look beyond the education in the UK because there's some brilliant people around the world. What would your advice be? They sparked my imagination. I wanted to know what they knew. They, the, the list of clients that they had was incredible. And some of the greatest contract athletes ever. And at the same time, they trained Joe and blogs and they train musicians as well and people like that so it had this uh, across the board for me but what they applied with one they applied with the other and that's very much how i live my life so that really had that spark but it's it doesn't have to be it could be in birmingham it could be in bristol it can be anywhere it, it's just finding someone that i suppose it comes back down to mentors again something to head towards something to be like at the minute, if I just go out there as a, as with my white belt, I really don't have those foundations and the foundations are just so varied. There's so many great people to learn from that it blows my mind that people don't. Like we, we you remember I was doing the kicks education with Aaron Deer. I loved those things every once a month, every Sunday, Aaron who was quite a similar character to yourself, he would bring in a guest speaker. That was the key. He had those, he had those relationships. And I got to hear some absolutely brilliant people. And that was in London. So it's anywhere. And honestly, I took so much from some of those people. I'd come home. I'd always think Sunday afternoon, I don't want to go. I'd come home going, where's the girl? It was obviously not everyone was set me alive. But it allowed me to see the standards that people have. And you mentioned baby Alexander. He's definitely all about the details. And we spoke about confidence before. He is a very confident person. I am nothing like him in the way that he projects that confidence. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to do as good a job as him. Love it. And I love this analogy you keep, you've used it a couple of times now with this idea of white belt, et cetera. You're, you're obviously from martial arts backgrounds. I, I actually used to, I used to, used to do judo back in the day. I was very young. Back in the day. Is, is, is this us about to have a rumble? We're going to meet on the mats tomorrow. No, and so I, yeah, we obviously in martial arts, you have gradings and you move up through the ranks and you get different belt colors and your tabs on your belt, all depending on the martial arts. And this is just purely for me to understand where you, you talk about confidence. Where do you feel you sit in those gradings? What belt do you currently have? Oh, that, de that depends what class you're in. But I think if it was a generalist. Yeah, this, let's say generalist. So as a generalist, I, I think I'm thinking of a black belt there, Adam. Oh, I'm thinking wow. of a black belt. I see in a lot of classes and I do think to myself, I got this. And sometimes you're going to reaffirm perhaps what you know or what you think. Mm. And it's, it's that constantly being in a room and hearing chatter. Am I pushing myself? Am I really caring about my clients? And I, every time 
it may just be little motivational pushes, but every time I come out, if someone has, you know, found, spoken to me in a way, I then want to do better for my client. I really do. And I, I find I, I'm becoming more like a doctor. And what I mean by that is the client is coming to me with their problem and I'm going, don't worry, I've got this. Rather than I, I do struggle sometimes when a weakness is where clients come to me and they'll say, or people who want to train me say, I want this, but I'm already looking at and thinking, I've already started the brain's tweaking. I'm going, you may think you want this, but actually what you need is this. Mm-hmm. And learning to communicate that better is a weakness of mine, but um, to get them through the door as such. But I feel like when you go to the doctor, you try not to self-diagnose and the doctor diagnoses. And I feel like the knowledge I have, and I don't mean there's anything wrong with the, the client coming in, but I feel like I know the route to getting you where you want to get to. But yeah, I do feel like confident in that. But earlier today in my downtime, I was watching a, a video on different conditioning methods. And it's funny because they all have names and those names can be intimidating. But ultimately, when he then says, this is that, this is this, I was unutable. Yeah. I just, I, you can't it comes remember all the names. Bad confidence, doesn't it? And, and having that, be- or not confidence, that belief in yourself is that you have enough understanding of most things out there. So it's this idea of, and again, we've spoken about generalist and specialist, and I think you are one of, what, I don't know if you listen to it or not, well, I spoke to Katie Bulmer-Cook, and I spoke about this idea about being a, a specialist generalist. And I think for me anyway, that's my perception of you, Robert, is this person who works with the general population and you specialize in doing that and you do it exceptionally well. And there's a phrase that kept popping into my head that you were saying there. So even if I go to a, a workshop, or I go to a talk and I walk away and I get inspired by that one person who said that one thing, or I walk away and I think, well, and you challenge yourself to do something a bit better. It's this idea that, I mean, this, this is my philosophy has always been is as long as I've learned one thing from whatever it is I've gone to, then that's been a brilliant day's learning or hours learning or whatever it might be. If there's one thing, no matter how big or small, that's going to allow me to do what I do differently and better, then that's been a positive outcome. And I think that sometimes people go in with these amazing expectations that this education is going to change their life or their business or whatever it might be. And it doesn't, and they walk away disappointed. So for me, it's just one thing that's going to help me do, do what I do better, then that's a win. Yet the, the phrase that's kept on popping into my head, and I've used a few times, is this idea that if you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I think you definitely have that mindset. And I think any, anybody who wants to be the best they can be at something will have that mindset. If you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room because you always want to be learning from the people around you, the people that inspire you and guide you and motivate you. And also I think training for education for PTs is changing. When I first started, I then thought, oh my God, I'm a white belt. Let's go and do this class. Let's go and learn about spin bite. Let's go and learn about TRX. I honestly think those courses are dead. Though that idea of having that one thing instead, you really go along for a spirit. You go along to be a better PT. Now, I honestly think the courses are so much, they encompass things that I talk about, that you talk about at the same time. You will learn perhaps better programming or a better technique on certain things. 
I think the fact that we can squish it all together rather than have a certificate saying, I'm now okay to use a TRX really helps the trainer constantly seeing a 360 rather than this. Do you, do you remember those listen? I'm qualified to do this. Do you know no, what I'm qualified to be? I'm qualified to be bloody awesome. And that, that's, I love that. Love that. That's it. That's the magic light. And it's just talking to someone as well. Maybe that's something that I've had, but definitely I've had to learn empathy. Mm. I've really had to learn that. I had some moments early in my career when I, a lady said to me, this is the moment you're supposed to hug me. Now, you, people might think that's an inappropriate weather, but she was upset and we worked through a lot of things with people throughout trading sessions. Some people talk about counseling. I'm not really down on that, but you're definitely always working through something physically and mentally. But when I went to first to America, they were like, you need to touch your client more. And because they were like, put the hair string. And I'd be like this British person going, or something like, is that all right? But now I've thought about it and I thought, how do I communicate with someone saying, is it okay if I do this? This is how I like to do things, but I'm ultimately, I'm called to do with what, how you want me to do it and how I present myself. But yeah, having, and it's funny the amount of time since I did that, just touching someone gently. Like people have said to me, oh, I get it now. I feel it. Yeah, more hamstring here. What this? Like I'm a, I use a lot of lateral raises. Yeah. And how many people, when they use their lateral raises in their wrist or their elbow, I'm like, no, the shoulder. It's a giant bag of crisps. I've got some quavers and I want to open the shoulder has to lead. If we're going to get the juice, we're going to squeeze the juice from that exercise. I want to do that. So I might be now tapping that. Don't it's here, it's here, not on hip, forget those elbows, forget those wrists. And learning to do that and to empathize with people and realize everyone's not as mental as I am. And oh, I'm just so always the one. Pardon? So in more ways than one, not as mental as you. Exactly. That because I've just gone, oh, oh, that's an opportunity. I'll do it. Not everyone is like that. And I think that but they are really things you can work on. And I think that I want to take on an intern and I've got uh, a couple of people in mind if they want to do it. But once I'm like more stationary where I am than me, I'm still traveling around. I've got quite a lot of traveling to do in the next month. But after that, push, I want people to see it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I want everyone to see it. I want everyone to see it. This, this is what I've always loved about you, Robbie, is this enthusiasm to enhance the industry. You've, you spent a lot of time and money traveling the world, learning from the best, or I say the world, America, London, wherever it might be, as you said, to learn from some of the best people. And you're creating your own way of doing things. So it's not just about you follow a method of one person. And I was very similar. I've learned from lots of different people. And I, I use what's right for the person that's in front of me for all these different uh, uh, approaches, if you like. And that's what I've always loved is just use us to share this and get it out to the wider world out there. And I'm just thinking of time a little bit. So I know you have to dive off to a client soon. There's a few things that I want to get to in the next 10 minutes or so is first of all, you, you spoke about Matt Fraser having different coaches, like a triathlon coach, for example, which probably for most CrossFitters would be like, well, why do you need that? And again, this is something that I think is brilliant about you. Is this idea that you have coaches, I say you have training sessions with other coaches, don't you? 
And yeah. you have different types of coaches based upon what it is you want to currently achieve. And just tell me briefly, because we haven't got long, briefly, give me, give me your kind of reasoning behind it. I have mentors as well. I think that's something that really like that I look up to. But yeah, I just, I go see a PT that probably isn't a black belt, but, but I love being put through my paces. I want to know constantly what my clients feel. I want to, yeah, I just want to share. So you back to empathy piece. Yeah. I want, and, and so I, and I, so I can tell them. I do this too. I often say the client Saturday morning, I go this afternoon, I'm going to be doing this or I'm going to be doing that. And they can see that we're part of this and that, that perhaps that I'm not the finished article. I'm still working on it. And there is no finish line, as I said already. And that's really important for them to understand that that's why you've never heard me mention 12 weeks, 16 weeks. I don't put a time on stuff, not because I don't in my head have those deadlines. I want to hit this by this. I want to do that by then. But because I don't want them to think, oh, that's it done. Game over. The game doesn't end. The game of training doesn't end. And yes, I think it's also important to be just every so often be told what to do. I don't have to think about it. I walk in the room. I walk out afterwards. I'm like, and it's also, it's usually like some form of metabolic conditioning. So it's usually stuff that just ruins you. You know, that passes something to into myself. I was about to say, the stuff you probably wouldn't do to yourself out of choice, hey? And I think that's really important. And something you just said there is you don't have to think about it. And I think as PTs and coaches, and I've tapped into this on some of the other episodes, is that it can be a lonely place being a personal trainer. You don't always have other people to share your experiences with, your thoughts with, or problems with. And that's even more so as your trainings. If you're there constantly giving your emotional energy and your expertise to other people to guide them with programming, et cetera. When it comes to your own programming, that can be challenging sometimes. So, you know, well, sometimes it is nice just to be able to not think about anything, turn up and be told what to do. And there is a, a satisfaction in that, just that you know that you're going to rock up, you've donated half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it might be to train someone for this training session. You just rock up and you do it and you get on. And, and even like some... I, I can think of a guy that I trained with for a bit. I didn't really think much of him as a coach, but he used to say to me, better, better, better. And I took that from him. So I know rather than like just, so I'm, I'm trying to say that we're not, that it isn't great. It isn't good, but it's a little bit better than what it was at the beginning. I really liked that. And just what you said about being educated, taking that one thing, like, that was a, that was something I took and I took it into my own training and you can see it. And as that's what I want, that's something I would like more people to do. I'd like to be somehow be on the gym floor and show more PTs. It's so much fun. It's so much fun, particularly if you find that connection with people and maybe don't overwork as well. This idea of we've got to earn this much money or something like that, just do a great job. And there may be a, like your heart will be. Because of that, now obviously we have got paid bills, but that's something I don't take on too many people, I think, because emotionally, I probably would crack. Mm. I think that's such an important point. And you, I know you'd have seen it. I've seen it in the past. PTs doing 35, 40, I knew of PTs doing 50 hour weeks, which I've never truly understood. Find if that's what they want to do, yet that they were certainly financially motivated. However, 
going back to your point there, Rob, is this, this idea that we, of course, everyone has to pay bills and everyone has a lifestyle that they want to work towards or maintain. And that's fine. And we're not here to judge whether that's good, bad, indifferent, whatever. It is what it is. At the same time, though, I think there's definitely that idea that as a personal trainer, if you go out there to deliver the, each session to the best of your ability, each and every time and service the needs of your clients, then I do truly believe the financial reward will come because you will get known, your reputation will precede you, people will seek you. A bit like yourself, Rob, people seek you out. Yes, you work with general population, whether previously in Blackheath, now in your new home with your lovely cool gym in, in the background. So for those of you who aren't following Rob on his social media, make sure you do. Where is it? It's there somewhere. Find and see it back there. He's got an epic gym in his new house that he trains people in. But people seek him out because you do get sought out by some of the top bands, the top musical artists in the world, because you're passionate about helping people be, to use your word, better. Yeah, and I, and I invite them all here. I've had yeah. most, I've had superstars in my little gym. Yeah, you drop a few names for the, the audience, Rob. Well, drop a few um, names. Uh, they're bringing gladiators back. You ready for this? Do you know that? They're bringing, okay. You like gladiators? Do you know they're bringing it back? No. I'm training the host at the minute because they are bringing it back. But I've had, I've obviously had Ollie Merce here, Matthew Healy from the 1975s here. I've had my, Michael O'Reilly here, my, my Johnny from Day Dancing. Obviously, I've had Emma Willis here. I've had, I haven't had Paloma here. That's one that's missing. I'm trying to think. I'll put all the names on the board. But basically, I'm like, come to my gym. Come to my gym. And I, it's a big, sometimes it's a big bit out of their day, but I want them to see the environment and what we can do, what I can do it, the environment I created mm. is put into practice. I really want to see that. that it's just everything I ever wanted. Obviously it's my candy shop. Everything I wanted is there. And cause it's not big space, but I've got entirely what I need and what I think you the bread and butter stuff. And, I was, and I've tried to get the right stuff for that. But yeah, it's just great. It's just great. Uh, but at the same time, I've got someone from around the corner walking in. And you do see people's faces. And my neighbours do love it. But it's sometimes the cars out front are sunny. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, yeah. My, my uh, grey cash try gets a bit warm sometimes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure I ever told you. If I have, then... I don't do it again, maybe, not, but this was one for, for off the episode, so I haven't got time. But my gladiator story, when I actually, yeah. I, I, that's what I brought it up. It was part yeah, of Pride. I thought so, yes. Yeah. There you that's go. I thought I'd Okay, so we, we're coming to the end now, Rob. So there's a couple of things that, as I know you've listened to a couple of the episodes that I do, and we spoke about a lot of things about how a personal trainer can become a black belt or... Well, I actually know, what is your, I know you said you're a martial artist. What is your actual martial arts or what was it back in well, the day? Well, like the one I spent most of my life in, it was Taekwondo. Okay. But the martial art I'm most fascinated with is MMA. Because I think it's the highest, the game is the highest thing. Anything can happen. And obviously I've watched the UFC. I'm a big fan of just all MMA in general. And I tried to do it for a long time. And it, it was hard because I started when I was 30. And yeah, I got punched a lot. Mike Tyson said, all, all great plans come to an end when you get punched in the face. Totally. I did have a good plan. In, in Taekwondo, then, what's the highest grade you can get? I don't know. Maybe a 
10th Dan. Okay, so let's just say for a PT to get to the equivalent of 10th Dan, what would be your three non-negotiables? I wrote them down, so please bear with me two seconds. Number one is communication. I think communication is everything. And that's communication with yourself. Like just being able to, I think it, it's above everything. I know a PT who is pretty late pretty often, and I've watched him be pretty late pretty often. But it, you know, he, he could do better. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Like it freaked me out. But he's still wonderful. And I've watched him communicate like, in the time he has and apologizes. Maybe you've got to take that on board. But his ability to communicate with his clients was fantastic. That they had empathy or they forgave him for being a bit tardy, as it were. So communication across the board, whether it be via text message in how you book your sessions, in how you follow up your sessions. I've got a client who just went skiing at the weekend. I wait, a new client as such, I waited a couple of uh, days. I just sent him this message just saying to acknowledge the work he's done and to look forward to the work he's got to do in the future. But also that phrase I used earlier, better, better, finding great ways to talk to people and finding great metaphors for training, shutting the car door with your bum for the kettlebell swing, the head to heel strong steel, which is an exos, hips for headlights, all these things that we can use to break down because we love our language as PTs. So we love our, we've learned a new phrase kind of language that the public, they don't care. They want to hear. So I've got to find a way to communicate that. They don't care what this and that means. So communication is number one. Number two is the ability to adapt. That's what's really helped me massively. And what I mean by that is it's not a case of, so sometimes I walk into a session and I've got to rip everything up that I was going to do in my head, plan, and the plan's got to just be thrown out the window. This could be for all sorts of things. But I was working with a client going through post-injury, post-child, uh, second child, and there was a, she had a lot of big jobs, obviously in the TV and music industry simultaneously. And obviously I've got where I want to go, but it was all about, I used to listen, what was your load like today? How many hours did you sleep last night? How did this go? How did that go? And I had to rebuild her trust because she had been to a well-known gym company in London who had literally ruined her as well. So I was trying to rebuild the trust of a PT. I needed that to get where I wanted to go. So often I was just ripping up what we're doing and going, okay, today we'll do this. Today we'll do that. And I think that ability to adapt is really important because as so many people say, if you just train people like you're going to train, you're, you're only going to train 10 people who want to be like you or have similar perhaps physiological physiology to you. So yes, adaption is key. And number three is affordable, is price. Most people drive, but not everyone drives a Tesla. People drive dad's shoes. Are they called dad's shoes? Dad's shoes. You know, there's the in-between of little yellow car. There's Fiat's, there's Ford's. And we don't, we're all striving to be, I'm the Lamborghini of training. But do you know what? If I'm 21, 22 and I'm learning my ways, perhaps I have got a price that I could just work on myself and help 
people. I think pricing, a lot of us are delusional. A lot of people I meet are delusional. People often say to me, you're worth this. Maybe that is the case, but I'm quite happy with this. And it doesn't mean that I don't want money, but I just think setting a goal and a price and I deliver for that price mm. is a really important thing. Just being able to help people. That's a great thing too. Uh, that's, yeah, just being able to help people. That's why we do what we do, isn't it? Because we just want to help people be better. It's as simple as that. And I have not paid for a new roof, though. You can move out and I'm, I bought a clanger. I need a new roof. That's going to cost me 25 large. Okay. So perhaps I should put me prices up. <laughs> I've got a busy spring and summer ahead. I know you were, hey, Rob. No, you were. I mean, it's, it's interesting, because I know you and I have spoken about pricing before. But he always has some interesting debates around that. And I think what you said there, though, is the key. It's you've got to be happy with how much you charge. That's the key thing. Regardless of whether it's high or low, in the middle, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're happy with what you're charging and you feel that's what you're worth and you're conveying that worth to your clients, that's the key thing. And something we spoke about offline beforehand, which we haven't had time to go into today, just want to tap into very quickly, is this, idea, is, is this pricing. And this idea that PT is always, this idea that on social media, at least anyway, this idea that we have to scale a business all the time, which comes back to your point, Rob, it's about being happy. If you want to work with 30 clients or 30 hours of personal training a week, Monday to Friday, and that allows you to have the lifestyle and to be happy and to do everything you want to do, then that's fantastic. Don't feel as though there's this need to be better all the time, to scale your business, to grow your business, to charge more. It's about understanding what you feel happy with that allows you to get out of bed every day with a smile on your face and help people, as, Rob, as you said, Rob. And if that's the key thing, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I have a price now. I have a price. You come train here, it's one price. and same price for everybody. And if mm -hmm. I go to you, that's my price. And I'm really happy with it. They're really strong in my head. Whereas in the past, I had, I was a bit all over the place because I knew perhaps some people's, if I'm training such and such, I know they've got a few quid, so I'll charge them. Oh, that's my rate. Maybe that was my rate, but I, I always had a problem when someone would come to me and want to help them out, but they couldn't afford that rate. And then some people do have different rates and stuff like that, but think it's just about doing the best job you can. And I think we're caught up in constantly growing. And I think you grow as a person from the things we've been talking about today and Hopefully things will come along naturally. They might, they may not. I'm, perhaps I've just been a fluke this whole thing. That there's only one month in how long? The seven years where I was reasonably quiet. But I really do think it is projecting. Yeah, I'm going to, I've got you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to do an awesome job. And, and then hopefully A will tell B, B will tell C. Because there's only at the minute one of me. And I like that. At the minute, there's only one of you. I like that. Yeah, until his dolly slash Axel comes through. Yeah. So, we, oh God, there's, there's so many questions I want to ask, Rob. I know you've got a client soon, so I can't. So I think we have to get you back. Come I have 10 minutes. You've got so, 10 minutes. What you just said there, though, again, this idea that as trainers, it's just about helping people, isn't it? And we forget that. I, I do think it's yeah. interesting. Like doctors are super, super smart people. And that I'm sure they could do 
many doctors are super smart. I'm sure they could do a variety of things, but they choose to help people. And that doctor, maybe not so much now, but we go back in time as a pillar of the community. I would love PTs to be more the pillar of community, to stop waffle a lot, but to stop waffling about who's right, who's wrong, and let's just start helping people and let's project that and let's just do a better job rather than let's, let's, let, there's so many people we could help. There really is. And there's so many missing forms. Honestly, the things that people say to me, and I'm just mind blown. I, it's just so like archaic faults and ways to trade. Just let's help each other. I appreciate you for the bribe to survive here. It's, it's, we really could do so much better. If we ask people to drop, we ask one thing that comes out is you'll drop your ego. Yeah. But we have a real ego with each other. Yeah. We really do as trainers. Where was I? I'm the man, I'm the man. It's this idea, isn't it? What I'm hearing you say there, Robin, in essence, is that essentially compete against each other. Let's help each other as an industry, as, tra as personal trainers. I've worked, I've worked in PT studios. I've worked in commercial gyms. I've run gym teams. I've had my own, I've done most things within the world of personal training. And I've never, and I can hand on heart, honestly say, I've never seen another trainer's competition. Yeah, I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they said that they said, you don't seem to, you've never seen to had or felt as though there's, there's competition. I said, cause I don't see people's competition. If I can either help them or learn from them or just be a friend or just let them do their thing, it doesn't really matter. The reality is there is enough people out there to service the needs of every person trained in the Absolutely. UK. And if we started to they say, support each other in different ways, or even if all we do is don't bitch about each other is in one sense, if that's the least we can do, then all that's going to do is have a positive impact on the industry. And I think we as personal trainers need to start supporting each other more so to help the industry grow for sure. Massively. And some of this comes down to the industry itself and our education, our basis, our foundations. It really does need to be better and maybe learning the business some of the business acumen and all the other things is part of getting that certificate to, to succeed and become a PT. And a certificate of awesomeness, right? Yeah, exactly. The certificate of awesomeness. And like, just perhaps to, I think honestly, like to do genuine, genuine work experience, internal, whatever the phrase is, really think, just to make up your mind, maybe this isn't for me, maybe, but to say, okay, one week I'm going to work with Dave, one week I'm going to work with Sharon. Just pick up as much as you can from people and hopefully if they're kind and things we're talking about, they'll help you out. Maybe they've got a spare client. Like it, it's really true. That's one of the things about trading musicians is I can only give my love to so many people. And some of those people have been with me five, six years now, and I'd love to work with more and, but I can't, I don't have that time. And I now have my little gym here. I'm trying to service those people. The amount of jobs, I'm very lucky people reach out to me for jobs, but I know they're going back out. So someone else is having it and that's great. That's fine. I can't be the PT to every musician. Sorry, Chris, Marty, but it's not going to happen this time. <laughs> Next right. time. Next time. Right. And on that note, I think that I've got the final thing I need to ask you. So I know, although we have touched upon it, I know you're much more of a sauna man. I've seen you in your saunas on your socials. I know you love us. You love a sauna. I love a sauna. 
so many good health benefits behind saunas, as we know from the evidence these days. If you were to share your 20-minute sauna, what's your ideal temperature? What temperature do you like? But I like it. So we're talking C, about 75. 75 degrees. Okay, so if you're in your 25 degree C sauna, 20 minutes, which three people from Health and Fitness would you share it with and why? This is really hard because I didn't want to sound like a pervert. Because I obviously, I have, if Dub can share them, I can see some awesome ladies in bikinis. But I have gone from as honest as possible, I've gone from an education standpoint. I mentioned him already. Number one, Jamie Reynolds, Jamie Vlosti. Number two, Kaiser Kiernan. I don't know. And she's a simple one. She smiles through every workout she does. And I want to know if she's Kaiser fit on team, how she can smile through some of the stuff. I think she's also a really good representation for women. I like something she said about training and, and she's just fantastic. And just to create some weirdness and flow in the sauna, Edo Potel. I love it. But, uh, but yeah, I have honorable mentions as well. <laughs> I have mentioned some of them, Brett Contreras, Matt Fraser, Bonnie Ramon, Ryan Flattery. I was always really impressed by him. Uh, that Luca Hossevera mentioned. They're the ones that I'm really looking to at the minute, but there's been loads. There's loads of people I, that I love genuinely. And they know who I am because I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> you love it. And so speaking of which, if you're not following Rob on Instagram, he's under Rob Solly on Instagram. And he shares lots of great insight. And he, what I also like on Rob's, of Rob's social is he's quite prepared to challenge some of the, in his words, some of the bullshit that he is out in the industry as well. But he'll challenge that with the facts as well, which I always enjoy. So if you're not following Rob on social or on Insta, then please jump on there, give him a follow, let him know what you thought about the episode, ask him any questions that he has. Because I know that he will most definitely answer you. So Rob, thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone has enjoyed Rob's enthusiasm. His humor, I'm not going to give him too much of a big head here, here I hope, his enthusiasm is humor, but more importantly, his passion for the health and fitness industry and for personal training and for helping people be better. Rob, thank you so much. Honestly, a pleasure. Cheers, Adam. Hey, Adam here. Firstly, a big thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. I hope you got some great learnings from it. Now it's time to go and put them into practice. A massive thanks to Rob for sharing his brilliant insights and experiences to help you grow and thrive. Please do go give him a follow on the usual social media platforms. Thanks also to Your Personal Training for sponsoring the show. If you enjoyed and learned something from the show, then please do like and subscribe, share and review the podcast to help it grow and reach others who will benefit from the insights of the amazing guests. If you have anyone you would like me to chat with, DM me on Instagram, Adam Daniel MBA, and I'll see what I can do. Until then, keep learning, growing, and thriving. Thank you.